0: Hello, everyone. I'm Alex, and I'm here with my husband, Shane, and we are so glad that you could join us for Happy Hour on this Family Tree Podcast, episode 170.
1: From New Orleans.
0: From Nolens. New Orleans.
1: That's the three ways to say it.
0: And I want to point that out, because last time we took a trip to St. Martin, St. Martin, St. Martin, people kept correcting us, and you can say it any of those ways, just like New Orleans. Correct. But we have a great episode for you tonight. We have an interview with Julie Tolliver. She's an actress, she's a mom, she's a wonderful person. She's in the new show, Fleischman is in Trouble. And we get into all of it about acting, what it's like and the the, the toll motherhood takes on your life as an actor in very different ways. I hit her up with a lot of personal questions I had and she was amazing. And it's kind of cool that she's on this episode. So New Orleans is her hometown. And her father was actually the general manager of the hotel that we're staying at, Shane, for like 30 years. I had no idea. Wow. Yeah. So we're staying at Hotel Monteleone or Hotel Monteleone. And it's a very cool connection.
1: So she's in New Orleans right now. She is not. Oh, okay. No. But why did you say great show tonight? We're recording this in the morning. That's true. And why assume when people are listening?
0: <laughs> it's a force of habit, honestly. Usually we sit down with the mics in the evening, but we're doing this not even noon yet because this is the best point in the day when we can go and do some work. It's right after our poolside iced coffee and right before the po'boy and poolside beers.
1: That's correct. We've been living it up on this trip. Uh, this is day, what, day four? Four. This is day four, and... Uh, I'm feeling pretty good, all things considered. I am a little bit bloated. We have been eating to our heart's content. We've been drinking to our heart's content.
0: It's been so that was a huge goal on the trip for me, it really, was just to say yes to everything, especially when it comes to food, because New Orleans has a type of food, first of all, that we can't really get back home. What's and that type? Like Creole. Mm-hmm. Like what Creole restaurant is there in our city? There's yeah. none.
1: I just wanted to let the listeners
0: know. <laughs> so it's really cool to be able to eat so much and it's like a seafood town we're here in crawfish season and Shane who does not go anywhere near seafood you have even been taking bites of everything that I've had
1: yeah I was eating I'm not sure if this is seafood but I was eating a gator yesterday
0: what would that be considered It's amphibian right
1: I consider gator to be more of a land animal it swims like a human would but it tastes like chicken
0: it tastes like maybe like a human would shrimpy chicken mm-hmm um, but that was fantastic, Gator. We had blackened Gator. You've had some of my crawfish. You tasted um, a char grilled oyster.
1: Yes, and interesting fact about New Orleans: you cannot get a bad meal Mm-mm. if you tried. And this isn't me exaggerating. You could go to a convenience store like a Seven Eleven, and they will have delicious food that does not taste like back home at Seven Eleven. Every place has the utmost respect for food here. It is insane. And we talked to Uber drivers who confirm this, that it's just food is so paramount of importance here.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Like we were saying there's no even average food. It's either this is really good or, oh, my God, this is absolutely amazing. Like the standard is just mm-hmm. so high that to be a bad cook in New Orleans would be it
1: almost. You'd be arrested. I think. <laughs>
0: They do prioritize it. And it's so amazing to be surrounded by so much of it. And that's why, guys, we are just eating everything we can. But it is tricky.
1: Yeah. Like uh, when we got here, we had our hotel burger and we're like, oh, my goodness, this is the best burger we've ever had. So we thought we would have to order that burger every day so we could eat something that was amazing every day. (laughs) Then we realized every burger everywhere is the best burger you've ever had. Any dish is so good that you don't need to rely on going to the same place every day. Mm. So we learned that lesson quickly um, because we were eating half of a... We were splitting half of a hamburger from the hotel every day and then we'd go somewhere else and split that so we could try as many options as possible. But the thing we'd try at the other place was better than the hotel burger and the hotel burger we thought was the best thing we ever ate. Like um, today, we're going back to have a po' boy sandwich from just this little shitty looking bar. And it's the it was amazing, the sandwich. I've never had a po' boy, but I'm addicted to po' boy. It
0: was one of the best sandwiches I've had in my whole life. And I will say it hands down, just like the burger here. Mm -hmm. And I wanna give a shout out to our hotel restaurant because it is like shockingly, amazing
1: but every place is good
0: well here's the thing: okay, it was making it's not you think even of, shocking anymore do you remember? i'm bored
1: by the how, <laughs> the excellence
0: <laughs> do you remember the last season of white lotus and oh, all yes. of the people were just always eating in the hotel restaurant and it's like okay these people are like millionaires why do they eat in the hotel restaurant every night and then i'm thinking oh it's because they're at a hotel like this where the hotel restaurant is just phenomenal so the restaurant here is called Criolo. Um, and it's every, like even last night we ordered a piece of cheesecake and a bottle of wine so we could watch reality TV and have a relaxing night in. Best freaking cheesecake. But Shane, of everything we've had, what do you think is the most daring thing you've eaten and what was your favorite?
1: Well, probably gator. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'd ever go order gator outside of New Orleans. <laughs> what, well, was, what about you? M- turtle soup. Oh, turtle soup. That, now that is where the hate mail comes in. Because I think it's the only place in North America that you can legally eat turtle soup. You
0: look it up, turtle soup is illegal everywhere. I think, I don't know if it extends to all of Louisiana or if it's just New Orleans, but it's legal here. And everywhere, like you can be walking down and from a variety store, get a cup of turtle soup for your walk.
1: I wonder why that is. Maybe there's a surplus of turtles here and it helps control the population. (laughs) Like if without turtle soup, maybe they'd be roaming the streets, just biting people.
0: <laughs> Snapping turtles mm-hmm. everywhere. Would but you it,
1: ever dare say, I want a turtle soup and make it snappy? Would you ever say that at oh, a restaurant? Oh,
0: that's a good line. See, this is why I need you here. But I wouldn't say make it snappy because in case they didn't get the joke, I wouldn't want to come off as rude, but I love it as a joke.
1: Well, you'd have to do your classic Alex laugh. After make tell it a snappy.
0: Nap, nap. A little mm. turtle. I did a turtle puppet.
1: Yeah, I think just do your laugh, like, and make it snappy. (laughs) Yeah, that's how I sound. Yeah, your laugh.
0: (laughs) So it's been phenomenal. And like this, it very much is an indulgent vacation. It's like eating, drinking, as Shane said, to her heart's content. Lots of butter. Lots of butter. (laughs)
1: Lots of uh, sweets. Oh, my gosh. The sweets we've been eating. I've been eating like a month's worth of sweets every day.
0: It is wild. We're going to get diabetes. Um... But it is, it's been, it's been phenomenal. And one of the most luxurious things has been just doing things on our own schedule, on our own timeline.
1: Yeah, we wake up early still because we're so accustomed to it. But just knowing that we don't have to wake up early, it feel everything is a choice that we're mm-hmm. doing. And that's so luxurious as a parent to have choices, options, freedom, moments of not boredom, but just moments where... You don't have to do anything and you don't feel guilty that you're not doing anything like this morning Mm -hmm. we're just floating around in a pool with nothing but time
0: after eating a whole plates worth of beignets yeah which was so good um but it it really has been amazing and where we're staying actually is in just the coolest part of town and no matter where we want to go Nothing's farther than, what, like a 10-minute walk, a 12-minute walk. So Hotel Monteleone is right in the middle of the French Quarter. It's like two streets away from Bourbon Street, which is where people go to get the hand grenades to go drinking. It's like the typical when you think – hand grenade is like a drink? Yeah, it's one of the ones in those big plastic souvenir cups that you walk Mm -hmm. around with. And that's like the standard party street. So we're two blocks away from that we are on like our hotels on Royal Street, which is maybe the prettiest street ever. It's all um, cafes and antique stores, light stores, and it's beautiful to walk around. It's got a quieter vibe than bourbon.
1: They love their lights out here. Yes. Every, every other store is a beautiful light fixture store. And we walked in, and we see this amazing light fixture. I was just curious how much 750 thou
0: almost and that's american that's
1: america so that's, that's over a million canadian
0: so you buy you know a million dollar house get this million dollar light in there i mean yeah. it's a good place to put your money because it's not like somebody can go in and rob you of your light because it's so massive it's a huge chandelier
1: yeah but maybe you could piece by piece take off all the beautiful <laughs> jewels because there's lots of beautiful jewels on it each jewel's probably worth 10 thou
0: It's true. So this light, the $750,000 one was from Louis, the 16th time period in France, like right before the French Revolution, imported from France to here. And that is one of the coolest things. So walking around, you know, and I've talked about this on the podcast before. I've always wanted to bring Shane to Europe with me. Like I've never done Europe with like as a romantic trip. And I would so love that. I'd so love to do France with him or something. And honestly, walking around the French Quarter here, there are so many parallels. It's like the good food everywhere, the cobble kind of stone streets where you just mosey on. There's narrow streets that are just, you know, elbow to elbow with awesome stuff and stores and just so much beauty. Like all the buildings are gorgeous. And then, you know, half the things are in French Mm -hmm. because it's Creole. So it's kind of cool because like European... American vibe
1: yeah it's it's very the vibe that's such a, that's the word of New Orleans mm-hmm. I think it's such a vibe the people are every single person here is interesting in some way <laughs> the way they greet you the way they don't greet <laughs> you like everything is just fascinating we we walked by um, a bar for, it was the one of the true blood bars it
0: wasn't even okay it was It's a vampire bar.
1: A true blood themed bar though. Kind of, yeah. Okay. Like you can have like a blood bag and it's filled with booze (laughs) and bloody booze, I guess.
0: But it's like it's it's like a classy looking bar that serves blood bags.
1: But we walked by it twice and then you thought, okay, I'm just gonna peek my head in. And then, of course, as you went to peek your head, and a guy's like, ah, oh, this one's pretty good, but there's uh, another one down the street that's the real, for real True Blood fans. You're True Blood fans, right? <laughs> and you're like, I am. And meanwhile, you probably, last time you watched was probably 15 years ago.
0: When it came out.
1: Anyway, we get sucked into this conversation, talking about how it's my birthday. Next thing I know, I'm getting a birthday shot. We're cheersing the movie Smokey and the Bandit. Oh, I guess Sally the, Field. The birthday shot was called a Burt Reynolds, which is mm-hmm. a very like, palatable, uh, sugary, delicious shot. And I'm drinking it with whipped cream. And so it's called Burt Reynolds. (laughs) But this man loved Sally Field. And because when he was five years old, he saw the shooting of the movie Smokey the Bandit, and he saw this like famous uh, car jump and he was explaining it to us. But we're just in this weird environment that I could imagine never in a million years in Canada being sucked into a world like that after meeting someone for less than three minutes.
0: Well, he attached himself to us because he said, oh, where are you guys from? Almost immediately. Came yes. out that we are Canadian. And then the other buddy comes out and he goes, oh, meet my new Canadian friends. Be nice to them. They're my friends now. And it just turned into this like, you know, one hour long friendship that we had with these guys. Yeah, the one the guy
1: was a 65 year old Alabamian lawyer and the other guy said he was from Calgary and he was a person who was mm-hmm. about 37 years of age. They were fighting these two men like an old married couple. <laughs> you, you couldn't even believe that they had only known each other for less than 48 hours. And it felt like a scam was going to happen because in New Orleans, by the way, there are lots of tricky little scams that you can get caught up in. And I have fallen prey to mm-hmm. one or two of them. <laughs> But I was just like, what's the game here? Because there's no way these people just met. He's Because, like, we're walking away and, uh, like, we're trying to uh, go check out some haunted mansion or something. And uh, the Canadian guy wanted to see us off and just kind of, like, have a one last chat. But then the charming Alabamian lawyer is like, oh, you want to come look at my hotel? He's like, stop it. I'm in the middle of a conversation. You always do this. <laughs> yeah. It's like always do this, but it was just a very interesting situation. Uh, we weren't really doing anything to deserve that much adoration from these two people, but well, they were just loving us for some reason. Well,
0: my favorite part of it was when the older gentleman with that you know charming drawl that he had, right? Because you just think of the most southern that that awesome accent that we hear very little at home.
1: He didn't feel real. It felt like he was a movie character.
0: But he asked if Shane was in the top like five to 10% of Canadian men. And I was like, what do you mean? Like in how he looks or like how he is? And he's just like everything about him. And I said, I don't know. I think Shane's like, I love him, but I think he's pretty standard. I think a lot of Canadian men are- You think I'm standard? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like in the sense that-
1: I don't know what you mean.
0: Well, in the sense that I'm I am a unique butterfly. Unique you are, sweetheart. You're a little snowflake. But I do think that you're a good representation of like Canadian dudes. I don't even know how to ice skate. That's true. I should have brought that up in conversation. But when I had said that you were like a good representation of a Canadian dude, that guy said, I got to give myself to Canada. And I love... That he asked if you were in the top five percent. In my brain, you're the top one percent,
1: babe. Well, like, what was going on? He was obviously hitting on me. The other guy was obviously in love with him. And then they were talking about how they had children and this. And I guess they're bisexual. But it was all very interesting.
0: It was all a ruse, I think, to get you
1: to get to, you or get to us. get you. Yeah. I
0: don't think me at all. I think that they just wanted to sweeten me up so that I could be like, oh, honey, go have fun with the boys tonight. And then...
1: Get you to have fun with other boys?
0: No! Get you to have fun with those boys so then oh. I'd, I'd send oh, you off. Oh, you, you know say, what I mean? oh,
1: honey, go... I see, yes. It was very interesting. But
0: I do think that they were in love with each other and I think they were in love with you.
1: I... I I'm down for that. Yeah, no, I'm down for the adoration. I'm not down yeah. for like, you know, having a threesome with two other men.
0: But uh, it was really sweet. It was a really fun, funny way to kind of do our afternoon. But anyway, we're here. It's our last day. We've got high hopes for tonight because yes. we've turned in early every night here because it's just it's too much. So then you get, you know, you hit your limits at like eleven o'clock at night.
1: Well, we're drink, we're day drinking, and then we're not getting too uh inebriated and at back home we go to bed at 9 30 p.m typically but here 9 30 back home is 8 30 p.m here so by the time it's 10 o'clock here it feels very very late Mm -hmm. and if you don't get your levels right which is what something you always have to try to do get those perfect levels when you're on vacation plan your hydration Mm -hmm. plan your coffees plan your alcohol when to deploy it because you want to hit those levels when you want to hit them but tonight we're trying to plan our levels so we can actually have a later night which means we don't start the drinking till later we have the coffees later uh we have the dinner mm-hmm. later and uh we can feel good at the right time which is you want to have that peak good feeling at like 10 p.m rather than i'd say yesterday we peaked out at maybe 5 p.m
0: oh my god yeah and like we really want to make it out because some of the great bars so you know bourbon street's the place where everybody just goes because that's where they think they gotta go but frenchman street if you're ever going to come down here that's where the locals go for live music and it is phenomenal just like we were saying there's no bad food it's like there's no bad music especially if you go to frenchman every single band that's playing is phenomenal so much jazz and those bars though some of them don't open until 10 or 11 so we need to hit our levels late so that we can be there in like the thick of it when every bar has sweet music
1: yes i'm very excited in short if you're someone listening wondering should i go to new orleans nalans whatever you want to call it you definitely should but you said it best i think alex which is this is the definition of a place where you visit and you love it but you don't say i wish i could live here Mm -hmm. it just has that Someone someone else was saying it's like Vegas, yeah. where like no one wants to live in Vegas, but people do have a lot of fun. This has obviously yeah. way more style and culture and music, and uh, it's way vibier than Vegas. But you do not want to live here, I don't think, because you have to have that New Orleans DNA where you can just handle <laughs> so much all the time. Like the food is so so much the alcohol though the way they consume alcohol here is so different everyone is always kind of drunk (laughs) but not out of control you know what i mean all the time everyone
0: it's wild it's really wild and like our our uber drivers kind of i don't know they've been giving us inside looks at the city and
1: oh they'll tell you like you're not allowed to have a gun in an uber but I have one. Don't worry. We're like, okay.
0: <laughs> We've been around lots of guns yeah. this trip, which is obviously, as a Canadian, yeah. very freaky. And I was like, oh, I've never touched a gun. He couldn't believe it. Like, he was, like, laughing. He just couldn't comprehend a world where I wouldn't have ever touched a gun.
1: Yeah, most interesting Uber drivers in the world. Oh, uh, my the gosh. One, He was a bodyguard for Sylvester Stallone the other night, and he shut down this restaurant.
0: And, and most of our Uber drivers have been women.
1: Yes, two were women. We got one man, but...
0: And they're all packing.
1: Yeah. All packing, <laughs> yes. But and, what a place. it's. Uh, I definitely, I feel like I'm in a movie right now, just with the setting we're recording. This is, uh, oh, I guys, wish this was a video podcast.
0: I want to I lay this out for everyone. All right. So yeah, picture yeah. this. We are in a room in a historic hotel. And again, this hotel is absolutely gorgeous. Hotel Monteleone. It, what is it? Like from the 1800s. And the rooms, so the curtains in our room, definitely over like 100 years old, they're just those old style -style curtains that you see in like, I don't know, like a French palace. It's wild. And we are overlooking the Mississippi River, recording this podcast on a super luxurious bed, and I'm in a bathrobe. Like this just feels phenomenal.
1: And this hotel has, I think one of the only rotating bars in the world or the most famous rotating bar in the world
0: it's a carousel like it's an actual carousel that they took and put in the bar and it rotates as you're having drinks and it's one of those old school really beautiful carousels
1: so it's very popular so Mm. if you want to get in you have to kind of bide your time because any time of the day people are going to be there we've we've gotten lucky and kind of scooched our way in um also rooftop pool which is so nice.
0: It's it's out of a Wes Anderson movie, this pool. Like, it's gorgeous. Shane and I, we have become friends with the guys who work up there, and we just, we hang out there all afternoon. It's been beautiful.
1: Yeah, and the iced coffees are good. All the cocktails are good. Um, the cocktails are amazing. They're, they're so good. Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't have a negative thing to say about this place. I'm trying to think.
0: No, honestly, I don't best location, so comfortable, like this bed in our room. Sometimes like Shane and I tend to go to a lot of historic type hotels because we like the vibe. And one big problem is that they just like don't update their mattresses or their pillows and they have stuff that is just so uncomfortable and creaky. This bed is so freaking luxurious.
1: Hotel Monte that's how you say it? You were saying Leone at one point, but it's Leon, right? If people are looking, okay.
0: Yeah, I was making it sound Italian, but with that Shane, I say we get to Julie Tolliver.
1: And then let's get to some pole boys. But before we do that, <laughs> let's tell everyone who we're supported by.
0: We are supported by True Earth. And if you listen to this podcast, you know that Shane and I have been trying to reduce our environmental footprints,
1: trying and succeeding.
0: Yes. And one way that we have been doing this is through eliminating single use plastics in our households. Because with two kids, and I mean, like we are not the most organized people, it can get chaotic it can get out of control and the easiest way for us to start this was by eliminating plastic laundry detergent bottles from our laundry room.
1: No jugs in
0: our house. No jugs. So we switched over to True Earth Laundry Detergent, and we haven't looked back. The detergent itself comes in these pre-measured soluble strips that you simply rip apart and They're put fun in to your rip. washer. They are. And it is so easy. Plus, the best part is that there's no plastic. The packaging is compact. It's made out of cardboard. I and think it, we, have,
1: we have, sorry to cut you off, but we yeah. have three years' worth in our house.
0: Possibly more. And... It takes up, honestly, less than like six inches on our laundry room shelf. It's really incredible. And as a family with kids who have super sensitive skin, we usually opt for the baby detergent because it's fragrance-free, gentle on everybody's skin, and still so tough on dirt. Our clothes come out smelling great and super clean. So check out True Earth Detergent at true.earth. And if you use our promo code, you're going to get 10% off your order. That is this family tree 10. Again, that is true.earth and this family tree tent. And that promo code, folks, is good for either a one-time order or a whole subscription because they'll just send you new detergent as you need it monthly. So check out True Earth, everyone. You are going to love it.
1: We are also supported by
0: Mini Miosh. Mini Miosh is a premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto. They believe in quality over quantity, and they make the best basics for your littles. I'm talking fashionable wardrobe staples that are soft comfy and timeless and can be passed from child to child regardless of gender i can't
1: describe how good it feels mm-hmm. to just touch the mini Miash clothing i wish i could wear it but they've they've Previously, only had it for kids, but now they have a women's line.
0: They've got a women's line. This is the M and West collection. And Shane does seethe with jealousy every time I wear something from it. It's simple. It's made out of French terry. It's ethically and sustainably made. It looks great. It is so cozy. And I really like, I feel amazing because I used to be jealous of the kids getting to wear it all the time. And for both collections, the organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally, which is huge, using GOTS-certified organic cotton and low-impact, non-toxic dyes. You can find the company online at Minimiosh.com or at Minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the promo code ThisFamilyTree15, you're getting 15% off your order.
1: But that's only like one time, right? It is. So they have to load up, and you'll want to. Or just test out maybe one order without getting the discount, see if you Mm. like it, and then buy more with the discount because you don't want to waste the discount
0: i like that method yeah. uh so again that is this family tree 15 for 15 percent off your order available in canada and u.s mini thisfamilytree this family tree 15 and now let's get to our interview with julie julie
2: how are you Hi. today i'm
0: so happy to I'm finally good. meet you
2: i know you too i i got in was was looking on your instagram page and i'm a big fan You're hysterical and super honest, (laughs) and um, from one mama to another, I absolutely
0: appreciate you. (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. That's what we're aiming for. So I appreciate you appreciating that, and it's funny because right before, like 10 minutes ago, I was... Creeping on your page, and uh-huh. noticed you had DM me, so I sent you a DM back, just saying, "Hey, excited. Oh, you to did. Talk oh to my you god, today. I didn't check it. It was just now. I, I literally did it just a couple minutes ago. So no worries. Well, should I, should I, should I check it, or should it be a
2: surprise after we're finished? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was
0: just saying that I was uh, excited to talk to you, and I truly am because the field that you're in, you're an actor. That acting and relationships and parenthood, all of that, and how they fit in together boggles my mind. Um we we had our first I had my first um experience on a set this year and it's something that my husband is involved in and I have uh-huh. I just have a million questions about all of it. So I am so happy uh-huh. to absolutely pick your brain if that's okay.
2: Well, please. Yeah, <laughs> pick away and I, I also want to hear if we have time a little bit about your experience cuz I know the first time can be a little A little nerve-wracking like a little fish out of water but i'm sure i'm sure you were a pro
0: (laughs) no absolutely i'm not an actor by the way so i do pity anybody who has had me on a set (laughs) but uh julie you're in fleischman is in trouble with jesse eisenberg claire danes lizzie kaplan so that has it's just come out right
2: yeah, it um, it premiered in November, actually. Right. Uh, but it's streaming on Hulu. So if you haven't seen it yet, please do binge it. It's um, it's a great show. It's really nice to be part of something that that I feel proud of. So,
0: And it looks like a show that, and I haven't seen it yet, but it looks like a show that is going to be just so relatable for parents in different phases of life. And I think anybody in a relationship can sympathize with somebody who has you know, just gotten divorced, going through something, going through a separation, whatever it is, because we all know somebody who's there. We all have
2: had experience, have been touched by that. Um, what's your favorite thing about it? Um, gosh, I mean, I just feel like it's so honest, you know, I mean, we're in this new phase of TV and film now where, I mean, it really is, I feel like reflecting real life a little more than it used to. And so I just love the, I also love the fact that it's, it's, honest but can also kind of laugh at itself yeah and not like in a contrived kind of way like it doesn't take itself too seriously and and i love that about it because i feel i mean god otherwise i mean what we really want alive reflected honestly (laughs) i mean i know when i i know when i put the kids to bed um it's funny because sometimes i really do like to watch dark realistic you know uh, very intense television but you know on the other hand we do we don't want to be hit over the head with it, especially after a full day with kids. So no, this is this is
0: ideal for me, actually, because I was just complaining to Shane about how all of my favorite shows I have to take breaks from. Like I was watching Outlander. Huge fan. I love Sam Heughan. I think uh-huh. he's one of the sexiest men alive.
2: And that's it, my mom's
0: favorite show. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so good. And like, I love their love, but they were going through too much shit and I was like, I can't deal with this. I'm exhausted. When I sit down and watch TV at the n- end of the night, I need something that, it can be dramatic, but it needs to yeah. have something that keeps me That I like Succession, White Lotus, because they're- Oh, yes, <sighs> me too. Right? So I think I'm going to really dig Flesh is in Trouble if it has that vibe to it, because
2: that yeah. I can deal with, and I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, it 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 really addresses a lot about, I mean- Jesse Eisenberg and Claire Danes, they, uh, they end up, you know, they divorce and it's kind of about his journey as, as a single man and kind of finding himself again. And, um, and then it's also, um, you know, it's about Claire's journey too. And, and what she has gone through and, and what we think about her and, and, and kind of the ideas we have about who she is and the reasons that she's done what she's done. And then it's revealed later in the show that, you know, we discover that she's just a human being like yeah. everyone else and and the, the struggles that she's gone through as a woman and as a mother. And um, we're kind of surprised by those things. But, you know, it's also about middle age and this, you know, expectation that we have of where we're supposed to be and things that we think that we're supposed to have accomplished or where we believe we're supposed to be and, and the reality of, mm-hmm. of what that means for us and kind of, um, I don't know. it's it's about a lot of heavy stuff, but it's also, you know, like I said, it, it doesn't take itself too seriously. So mm-hmm. well, I even you
0: can get that from the trailer, and I highly recommend listeners go and watch that because it will suck you in. And Julie,
2: what is your role yeah. on the show? So I play a patient of Toby Fleischman's, and uh, I have this like chronic liver problem that I was okay. born with, but I don't know I had. And uh, it turns out that this, very wild weekend that i had with my girlfriends in vegas kind of triggered it and so it's about um, my character really serves as this catalyst for toby he he has this like idea of who i am and i'm unconscious for a lot of a lot of you know my episodes and he has this idea of who he thinks i am this like perfect mother perfect Mm -hmm. wife and and then he sees these photos of me and he realizes it kind of all comes crashing down. <laughs> this this perfect image of me that he had. Um, but it's just interesting. I mean, I I like the part that I play in in his growth and his development and what he realizes about the things that he thinks that he wants in a partner and the mm-hmm. things that the way that he sees, you know, what a family should be and and what it is. And so that's kind of that's kind of the role that that I play and in, in his journey
0: i think that's so important even you just explaining that there it makes me think of social media like i'm very involved in the social media space a, as are a lot of people as in actors too you know we perceive people a certain way whether we meet them at work we know them kind of socially we see them on social media we see them acting and we do hold these perceptions about them they might be good and they might be bad. And I think it is so vital and people really lose track when they're viewing somebody from a distance. They lose track of that person's humanity and they just view them as some kind of, I don't know, some kind of object or thing that can be talking about or spoken about a certain way and viewed a certain way. And I see that every day on Instagram with people, you know, the way they talk to me or the way that they look at other people or even how I judge people initially. And I'm like, yeah. Oh no,
2: like step back.
0: I it's know interesting When you notice
2: it in yourself, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge fan of social media <laughs> for that reason. You know, it also kind of, it's almost inevitable that it makes you sort of compare yourself to other people and i don't think that that is very healthy mm-hmm. either and so you know straddling that line and um, but as you said also it does make you realize that about yourself uh and i i don't know you know the way that people talk to each other on social media and the discussions that are had and the comments that are made people would never say those things to people's faces never. and i just think it's a very strange I don't know not always a very pretty view of, of humanity and I feel like that's actually gotten a little bit worse in the past few years since covid and and the crazy political climate that we live in and people feeling like they have the right to just kind of say whatever they want to people and not not look at people as human beings um you know I also really I think about how old are your kids uh, uh, again they're little so they'll be three and five in the next couple months. Okay. Yeah. So my daughter's four, and then I have a little boy who is, is, uh, six months and, you know, I think about them. Yeah, I know (laughs) (laughs) these glasses are covering up really big circles. (laughs) Um, but you know, I think about them growing up in this world of social Mm. media and pretenses and appearances. And, um, I want to kind of shelter them from that naturally, but then, you know, I feel like it's inevitable that they're going to be exposed to it. So it's this, you know, what do I do? Do I let them see? It? And do you teach them about it? Or do you try to like protect them from it? So it's, uh, I don't know, that's kind of an interesting dichotomy. It's so hard. Honestly, I go back and forth every single day.
0: And especially when I see stats, um, like, what is it? 80% of girls by the time they hit 12 year olds have digitally altered photos of themselves online, like with Photoshop or filters no. or things like, isn't that sad? It's so scary. And yeah. I, I kind of want to hit on that for a bit. Like, you know, looks and perception that because you are in one of the most notoriously looks based industries in the world, right? It's so tough. And obviously, you're a very objectively beautiful person, like anybody looking at you will be able to say that. But it almost thank you. (laughs) It doesn't. (laughs) It's tough, because it's like so many people in that industry. That's the baseline. And yeah, when you're Going through is as a woman, I will say because I do think it's different for men, but as a woman, when you are acting, you're in that industry, your face is and your ability are your products, but I think part and parcel, you know what I mean? And not only aging, but like motherhood. I'm just I'm dying to talk about that and kind of how that fits in. So acting and motherhood. Do you have like any upfront thoughts that you just that you want to get out or should we start with your pregnancy?
2: I mean, first off I want to touch on what you were saying about the looks thing. Yeah. Um, cuz I feel like it's really important. Um I, you know, I'm from the south originally and I feel like, you know, there is there is something to this. I mean, it's sort of a stereotype, but th- it is a reality that in certain places in the country or certain cultures, you know, looks are more important than others, you know. Um, I remember it was funny. My mom used to kind of get upset, you know, if my friends would just pop over unexpected when I was in high school because she hadn't had time to, you know, put on her makeup or, you know, she was sort of concerned about appearing a certain way. And it's very natural where I'm from, that that's just kind of how it was. And then also being in the industry. um, And obviously, I have been forced to evaluate or reevaluate how much emphasis I've put on that for myself, and how much importance I've, you know, put on that. I don't know throughout my life and mm. my career, and 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 if I want my daughter to not think that that is the most important thing, then then you can't right because they pick up everything. They're like little sponges. So modeling, you have to. I really is, and you have to lead by example. And and I've I've thought a lot about that in the past, you know, couple years. And you know, being in this industry, it really is, you know, very looks focused, especially for women. I mean, I just feel like men don't have that burden to carry, and getting no. older and becoming a mother, and they just don't have to think about it. I just want to, I don't know, I just want to put it out there that I feel like this is the time now as mothers with young girls to teach those lessons that it is important how smart you are how kind you are what you give back to your community and how you treat other people and that everything else is secondary i just feel like it really is this responsibility that we as women if we want that to change we have to model that behavior and not just talk about it so um i just wanted to address that before i i got into didn't <laughs> got into my pregnancy which is also a whole a whole another story i mean i i was pregnant at the very beginning of Fleischmann and you know, there's a whole period when you're pregnant where you're not sure if the pregnancy is going to be viable, and you don't run out telling everyone as soon as you get a positive pregnancy test. And uh so when I was at that point where it was time to let, you know, let the production know, I I was very nervous. Mm-hmm. I'm I mean, it's I feel like well, things are changing imagine. in the industry for for women and and for women wanting to also have a life as a mother and have a career. It is definitely changing, but I was still extremely nervous. I was nervous to tell my manager and nervous for them to tell producers and casting. And, um, luckily, uh, my fears were in vain. So that is the good news is that everyone could not have been more supportive. I mean, there were definitely a lot of women on that team too. There were two husband and wife director teams working on the show. Uh, Sherry Springer-Berman and her husband Robert Puccini, and then Valerie Ferris and Jonathan Dayton, and uh, they were incredible. I mean, um, I remember when I came on set to shoot that my my last scene with Jesse, which really is was the only scene that I was really worried about. Like, what if I have a little bit of a bump? You might be able to see it. And um, and I got to set, and she said, "I'm so happy for you." she said, you know, that, that is real life. This is like real life stuff. She goes, all of this stuff is, is extra. She goes, but, but that, like, you know, you becoming a mom again, like that is real life. You know, there were lots of like female producers on the show too. And, um, and everybody was, was really, was incredibly supportive, but you know, it didn't change what was ingrained in me. Right. That I, I knew that there's the stigma associated with, you know, becoming a mom and also wanting a career and wanting people to take you seriously and not see you as like, oh, she's giving up her career and oh, she's just going to become a mom. And -hmm. uh, I think, I think finally, I think women are raising their voices enough that that perception is changing. Um, But there, there was definitely, I was definitely nervous about it.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you have a right to be, and I'm first of all, like so happy that you had that experience, a positive one. And I had a similar, Me too. right. And I've had a similar positive experience in the past where I was going through it was uh, I was pregnant with my first and I was going through some really rough stuff. Like I had an amniocentesis and then I was getting negative side effects from my amnio. So I had to be put on bed rest for a little bit to ensure Mm -hmm. that I didn't lose the baby. And my boss at that time was he said, seriously, like the exact same thing. Look, all of this stuff is secondary. Your family comes first. That is so important. You take this time and you go home and you take care of yourself. Everything will be where you left it when you get back. And no discrimination, no stigma, amazingly supportive. But you're so right to have those things ingrained in you because I was looking the stats up before this interview. One in five women experience discrimination for being mothers in the workplace. And 8% of all pregnant women face discrimination, like actual discrimination when it comes down to their pay or booking shifts or not getting hired. Like that's right. that's huge, right? Yeah.
2: I'm surprised, it's not, I'm surprised it's not even more than that. I mean, don't, it is me a big number, but I'm surprised that it's not more. Yeah. I bet it's just silent though, because I was thinking
0: about that and how many times it's like not addressed or women don't fight it because they've got other things going. You know what I
2: mean? Mm-hmm. So I bet it is. Well, it's also groundwork. hard to tell... I mean, it's hard to tell because women as it is, you know, already face discrimination for being women. I mean, they have to be smarter and work harder for the same pay and to get promotions and just to be taken seriously. Mm. I mean, I was on the phone the other day with my insurance company, just dealing with some bills and normal stuff that we all have to do. We love making those phone calls. (laughs) Um, And and the man on the phone was doing some serious mansplaining to me and- and I, I was, I was so frustrated because I, I'm not, I really am not one to just jump to that conclusion. Like, oh, you're just talking to me that way because I'm a woman. I'm really not that person. But it was very clear to me that every time I tried to speak, he was interrupting me. He wasn't letting me finish my sentences. He was saying the same thing over and over again. And he wasn't listening to me. And I had to. It's so funny. You know, I had to put on like my big girl pants and my tough lady voice. And I was like, this is ridiculous that I yeah. can't actually just come to the table and just have a conversation. And you listen to what I'm saying that I have to put on some sort of other persona for you to listen to what I'm saying. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I'm I'm not surprised that, you know, being pregnant on top of being a woman. Um, you know, but it is good. Here's the, here's the promising thing is that you and I both had positive experiences, which I feel like 10 or 15 years ago, I'm sure that I'm sure that number of women that were discriminated against would have been, you know, two or three times as large. So I feel like we are making, we are making some progress. At least I'm, there's me being optimistic. So
0: for sure. I like, I'm an optimistic person. I love that take. And I, I'd rather go forward thinking that than thinking it's all doom and gloom. And so that was your second pregnancy. Right. That would have been mm-hmm. okay. So with your first, do you feel like, you know, were you
2: acting when you were pregnant with your oldest child? I was, but you know, things were not really popping for me as much at that time. Okay. I mean, I had I had moved back to New York from LA uh shortly before then. So there definitely in my career was like a little transition period. It's so funny. I you know, you think you're gone from a I think I lived in New I lived in LA for about five years. And then my husband's business kind of started to take off. And uh it took us a very long time to get to marriage. <laughs> we I think we dated for about twelve or thirteen years before we got married. <laughs> I love it. Um yeah, I mean, listen, we went through some serious stuff, you know, when we were together before we were married that I feel like married couples don't make it through. So we definitely at that in our lives. We're like, we're already doing this. Like, Mm -hmm. let's make it official. So anyway, I I moved back to New York and, you know, I was only gone for about five years, but I feel like in the entertainment industry, that's like 20, right? Yeah. So there was definitely like this transition period and sort of reintroducing myself to the industry. Plus the previous time that I was living here, I was doing a lot of theater and, and Broadway stuff and, and, my time in LA as an actress, I, I was pursuing more TV and film and that was sort of the trajectory that I wanted to continue to go in anyway. Yeah. So I, I wanted to sort of continue on that road. And so there was definitely a transition period for me. Yeah. It was also COVID though. So I had my daughter and then when she was, you know, I don't even think she was a year old when COVID happened. And then of course everything shut down, not just Mm -hmm. the entertainment industry, but everyone's industry. And, and so, um, Gosh, I mean, what that meant for, you know, having a child that small. And it was my first two. Uh, uh my my first child and and experience being a mom of a child that young and and then also it being COVID. So we didn't, you know, we don't have any family around and I didn't have mm-hmm. help around. So it was really, really immersed with her and her growth at that time. I mean, we spent every waking second together. Um, and it was it's so funny. I think about this time and it was really amazing that I kind of had an excuse to spend every second with her yeah. because that period goes by so fast, doesn't it? Like, I mean, it just, before, you know, in the blink of an eye, it's over. And and so I feel like it was very difficult. I'm not going to lie. It was hard, but it it I look back on it actually as a really special time. I tried to the other night, I tried to start going through those clothes and getting rid of some things. I cannot and I, I, I couldn't can't. either. No, I just couldn't. I everything carried this memory with it, and it's. I'm trying not to be like a pack rat, and I'm really not, but <laughs> I, I tried. I tried going through this stuff, and it just every little piece that I took out, I remember, you know, walking in the park with her when she mm. first started talking, and and um, and I, I couldn't. I had to. There were a few things I took out and then I put it away um, because it it just, you know, it does go by so fast. I can't get
0: rid. There's like three newborn outfits that I can't get rid of just because I can't picture her ever having been so small. And then my baby carriers, number one, like I am obsessed with them. I have a few like beautiful. I don't know if you know the brand Artipop, but I have a few gorgeous. I do. Oh Are they God. nice? Oh my God. Like they, I can't it even. It keeps
2: popping up on my Instagram and I, I want to know about it because I'm about to pull the trigger and just buy one.
0: <laughs> I have two. And uh-huh. I, I have about seven carriers in total from different brands, mm-hmm. but the Artipop ones are mm-hmm. hands down my favorite. They're practical. Um, this is not a plug, by the way. I do not work with them. Um, <laughs> they have not paid <laughs> you for a promotion. No. <laughs> but they, they're truly, they're the, they're the most user-friendly. They look adorable with everything. Like I've worn mine to weddings, like baby carrying, and they look fancy. Uh-huh. And they're just like, I could fit my toddler in them
2: still. Like it's oh insane. My yes, I I honestly you, think it's worth it. You love them, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just so hard to throw stuff like that away. Right? Um, well, especially if it's nice. I
0: know. I'm like, well, what else can I do with this? I'm waiting for my brother to start knocking somebody up so that I can give them to him after. But I don't know when that'll happen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, brother! Did you hear that? <laughs>
0: Keep it in Get the family.
2: On that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um,
0: but okay, so. We actually have similar views on COVID because so my husband is a commercial director as his 95. And so he works with like much music and Bell Media. So he was going into Toronto, which is about an hour from where we live uh, every day Mm -hmm. before COVID. And it was a lot. He missed the whole first year, first two years of our oldest daughter's life because he could only see her on the weekends because he was just commuting. COVID gave us a chance we were together for two years straight and our second kid was born into just the whole family being home every day and there was something really beautiful to it uh and then this september uh that just passed so september 22 was oh just like a wild balls to the wall transition out of it for us so shane uh we started filming for his show. So he wrote and is directing and is starring in a comedy sketch show. That'll be Amazing. on Crave. Yeah. It's so exciting. So that's coming out this summer and it had been two years of writing and hiring and just getting everything sorted out through COVID. And then September is when we really got heavy into production. So I was on set with him every day as his assistant and, uh, And then they'd pull me when they needed another actor. So it was terrifying and so much fun and like a thrilling experience, right? Because like one day I'd be helping the art department set up a room. The next day I'd be running lines with people. And then I'd be on camera doing lines or in a prominent Uh acting role. And I don't act, but I think I did a decent job. You do and, now. <laughs> and You do now. It was wild. So we were putting in 14 hour days every day for a month and a half. And it was crazy because at once it was thrilling and it was so fun and I appreciated every second of it. But on the second hand, neither one of us were there for our oldest kid's first month of school ever and our youngest daughter's first, first month of daycare and really our first time all being out of the house doing stuff since COVID so it was really hard for me to like I'd come home every night honestly and I'd feel like shit I feel so bad and I'd have so much fun on set and then and just fun working and then I'd come home and I'd feel so bad for missing everything for my kids and I'm like, okay, this is only a month, you know, and maybe we'll do this again. If we get greenlit for a season two, we'll see. But I'm so fascinated by people who do this for a living. And man or woman, I know women often, they're asked the question, well, how do you balance that in family life? But I mean, my husband could be asked that question too, because he was barely around. So Mm -hmm. I am curious about that. Like, how do you factor that in as an actor with those long days? I didn't realize how hard actors worked. It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah.
2: So I, I have to say, I thus far have not, have not been like a regular on a show. So I have not had, you know, you know, four to six months of shooting every Mm -hmm. single day except the weekends, you know, um, but I I will say that that those long days are very long. And, um, you know, my husband, uh, he he owns his company. He has a restaurant group. And so he's very busy. He Yeah, he's very busy. But um, he's been able to help out a lot when I've had jobs where I'm like, listen, I'm going to be gone for three days. Or, you know, this, I have to get up at five in the morning and I'm not going to be home until, you know, I don't even know when. And so he's been able to help. Um, I mean, it's really important to find you know, either family or to, you know, be able to have the means to have some help. Mm-hmm. And I, I honestly like don't know how, you know, people who have to work full time and don't have family around, how they do it. Um, I, I just I just don't. Um and, and so I'm I'm you know, when that day comes that I that I do have to shoot for, you know, four or six months, you know, all hours of the day. It is. It is a sacrifice, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, you are missing things that your kids are going to do, and I do think, though, that it is important to, you know, pursue pursue your dreams. And I I think, once again, you know, we were talking about modeling, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that that's something we we teach our children is that you can be a mom and you can have a career. Um, and and I think it's important to do both. Plus, just because you become a mom Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you're not you anymore, right? Absolutely. You still have those things that you love. You have to feed your soul, and it's not that being a mom doesn't. I mean, it feeds your soul in a different way. And I have grown exponentially as a human being. um, And it's really, you can't even, you can't possibly imagine what it does to you becoming a parent. And, and so it's not that it doesn't feed my spirit, but those other things that I've done my entire life, I don't want to give them up. And I also want to show my daughter and my son that, that, I didn't. And Mm -hmm. that I still was able to balance both. And it's a balance and it's a sacrifice. You know, and I, I don't know that you just, you just have to, I just think that that's, that's our, that's our journey, right? Like that's our lot. I mean, and some people, some people really do choose to give it up because, you know, acting it's hard and it's, it's not that it's just the long days, right? I mean, it's what we put ourselves through, you know, the judgment and the, constant ups and downs and, um, auditioning and, you know, the being told no, and then being told yes, and then being told maybe, and, Mm -hmm. and all of those things. So some people choose to give it up. And I've kind of just decided that, that it's such a big part of who I am, that if I did that, that I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be true to myself. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I also just, I, I need it. I mean, it feeds me in a way creatively that kind of nothing else does, and
0: you know yeah and i i think it all comes down to the fact that we're dynamic we're not multifaceted humans are dynamic beings we can't sustain ourselves you know emotionally or mentally just through one area in our life maybe some people can honestly like i guess i see people who do that solely through their work or whatever but most of us can't and i think it is so important
2: Yeah, I, so I used to do a lot of theater. I think I mentioned that Mm -hmm. early on and when we were chatting and part of the reason that I have kind of pivoted a little bit right now is because theater is, you know, eight shows a week. You don't have any of your weekends. Every single night is taken holidays, weekends, everything. I mean, it was difficult before I had a family, you know, you miss out on so much, but I loved it and I didn't have other responsibilities other than to myself. And for me right now, that schedule, you know, because when your kids come home from school, you're gone. That's when you're leaving for the day. Mm-hmm. And the weekends when your kids are not in school, that's your busiest time. You know, sometimes you have a five show weekend. And for me, that schedule, I, I I don't choose it right now. I mean, if the right project came along and it was something that I couldn't say no to, or it was something that I felt very passionate about, then I, of course, would have to take a second look and have to think about that. But um, you know it's not that the tv and film schedule is easy but it's not those nights and weekends are not consistent and holidays and
0: absolutely wow it
2: really is and it's also i mean let's just face it the, the theater and um you know i i i used to dance and i'm not sure that my body could handle that now <laughs> i mean i am fighting good, bike as i really am i mean i you know listen i did my first um four mile I got Good my first four you. mile run in about in about, I guess, six or seven years. I did that the other day Good and I was really proud of myself. But let me tell you, my joints definitely, it took me like a it's couple different. days to recover from that. I'm not gonna lie. So I yeah. It's so
0: hard. I've only been able to. So Shane and I have been doing Pilates every night for the last I love that together that's yeah, so nice. <laughs> after we get the kids to bed. So we're starting off beginner, because he's never done like yoga pilates, anything like that. Right. But we're just doing 20 or 30-minute sessions. And mm-hmm. I, like my core – you know what pregnancy does to your core. It demolishes oh gosh, it, yes. right? Yeah. So I wasn't able to do anything because of minor – um, oh, geez. What's it called? I'm
2: di- uh, di- diastis- di- r- di- yes. Diastasis recti. Yes. Yes. That.
0: So I had a mild version of that. So I, I really couldn't do anything because I didn't want to make it worse. But now – it's like better. I'm starting to finally do stuff again. And oh my God, Mm -hmm. after my first session of it, I, it was hard to do anything for days. It was so embarrassing. I (laughs) was like, please don't make me laugh. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm like, I'm only 34. How am I in so much pain right now? I feel like I'm 75, but now I feel good and I'm feeling better. It's getting easier, but it it is, it is so crazy. The ways in which pregnancy and parenthood affect literally every single facet of your life, your work, Your marriage, your relationships with friends, your body, your Mm. mentality, everything. Yeah,
2: it changes everything. Um,
0: Yeah. The one thing, okay, so don't have to answer this. You can if you want. This is, I'm just personally (laughs) dying. No, because it's something I personally struggle with. So I didn't marry an actor. Shane was not an actor. Me neither. (laughs) Like he'd he'd do random things, but nothing big. Uh He was a director and a producer, but now he's starring in a show. And I have a hard I'm known for being not like jealous, but maybe maybe (laughs) jealous. Okay, I'm known for being jealous. So (laughs) I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm working on it. But hey, I'm not there yet. So my hard line is no kissing. Uh if we can get a stunt double in for anything get me in as a kissing stunt double I don't care I'm not I don't <laughs> <laughs> So uh he had one scene where it was like I I was the intimacy coordinator I told you I had a lot of hats on for that show so I intimacy coordinated one scene uh mm-hmm. that was A little bit explicit, but I had both actors fully keep all of their clothes on for it. Still,
2: wait, was he? But it wasn't with him, right? He and a woman. Oh, (laughs) and you were the intimacy.
0: (laughs) I was like, this is the only way I can do it.
2: I mean, even if you're
0: not a jealous person, that is enough to make anyone jealous. No, but it was the only way. It was the only way I could feel okay about it. So we did Uh it, and honestly, it's it's just, and it worked out great, and it worked out great, but. I struggle with these things. And I'm like, babe, like season two, you know, the other the, one of the lead actresses, she's like, she'll do all the she told me she's like, I want to do all the sex scenes. And I was like, all right, let's write her in all the sh- episodes with sex scenes or anything like that. And you can stay right. out of them. You're an old man anyway. But how do you how do you deal with this as an actor? And how does how do you bring things like this to your partner? How does your partner deal with it? And again, solely from the standpoint of somebody who is trying to get better and understand this aspect of the industry.
2: Well, first thing, I just love that you're so honest with yourself about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the vulnerability is very charming. Um, oh, thank you. I mean, listen, I it, it most of the time is very mechanical. I, I mean, I, you know, and it it just kind of depends on the real intimacy of the scene. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, all the physicalities are just like a kiss is a kiss and it's, you're doing it on set. And most of the time, honestly, it feels more awkward than, than sexual, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, and, and, you know, if you're lucky, you're working with someone who is very open and respectful and they're like communicative. And now it's great that they have intimacy coordinators in the first place. But I, you know, sometimes I wish my husband was more jealous. He's, and, and if he is, he's really good at hiding it because he does not seem to be a jealous person at all, whether it's because of my career or just in life in general. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Hey, are you, are you kind of like, you know, just, nope. I bet he is Julie uh, inside, but I he's mean, probably better than me at actually,
0: you know, saying these things it. out loud. Yeah. Um,
2: you know, like, like my scene with, uh, with Jesse Eisenberg and Fleischman, you know, I told him what it was going to be. You know, I didn't know that there was going to be some face licking. I didn't know what it was going to be. <laughs> I just said, you know, I have this scene and here's what happens. And I'm not sure what the details are going to be. Cause I'm sure we're going to, you know, some things are going to be spontaneous on set, but, um, and he was not, he was fine with it. And even watching it, like he thought it was funny, which I mean, it is, it is a yeah. funny scene, but you know, he had people he worked with be like, you know, Oh, are you, are you okay with that? You know I mean? It's not a sex scene, but it's like kind of like a sex scene. And he was like, I'm, he's like, I'm (laughs) fine with it. I mean, I, you know, and like I said, I, who knows if he's being completely honest or not, but, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I've been doing this a while and I, I feel like I've had more on stage kisses than, than on screen kisses and things like that. And usually, you know, you're working with those people so closely that, you know, you're such good friends. And so, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's, it feels like mechanical. It's part of the story you're telling and you know, it's, it's your job to be in the moment and to feel intimate and to feel Mm -hmm. chemistry in that moment. But then when the camera's off, it's, you know, it's, it's your scene partner. It's, Mm -hmm. it's your friend. It's, you know, I mean, and, I don't know. That's kind of. No, I like did that. that. Did that help at it all? Did. I
0: mean, <laughs> it did. And Julian, this is why I'm not an actor. And this is because I think I'd find that chemistry way too easily. And I'm projecting my experience onto things or what I, I think my experience would be. I'd probably just be like, this is hot. And I'd get too into it. Well, and I'd probably have to be really just dis- like grossed out by that person in real life to not think it was like hot. You know what I mean? Well, I feel like when I was younger,
2: like I fell victim to that a little bit more. (laughs) I mean, let's just be real. I mean, I, but then you kind of like understand that that's what it is, you know, it's like, you know in the theater, you know, we, there's, you know people talk about something called showmances because it's so, it's so easy to get like wrapped up and like the, the, you know, we all become in the industry intimate so much more quickly than you Mm. do in real life. I mean, People are more affectionate. They're more touchy. It is our job to be like an open emotional book. At least, you know, when we get on set. I mean, that is that is your job, and and so it's not like it doesn't happen. I mean, people, not that I'm helping you right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> not no, not helping, helping you at all. It's, it's okay. Like, we stop talking. <laughs> um, but I mean, people do. I mean, there are celebrity couples who have gotten mm-hmm. together because they were working together, and so yeah, sometimes it is hot. But most of the time, it's. Hot or not? It's not. <laughs> no, do there guys you go. remember that.
0: You remember that horrible app, Hot or Not? <laughs> oh my god, I do. One hundred percent ridiculous.
2: Uh, I I had a boyfriend many moons ago that while we were dating was on Hot or Not and used to enjoy getting like the hot thumbs up yeah. and why I dated this person I did cause <laughs> oh youth <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Hot or Not yeah.
0: Thank God we grow up. Thank God we mature God. in yes. love and everything like that. I mean, I've, I've made some a lot of questionable decisions. My listeners know all about them. We've, we've gone over them <laughs> in detail.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but yeah, thank God we grew up. And Julie, it is getting to the end. I want you to plug. I know there is um, a group that you're involved with, Women to the Front. And I think that's uh, something important. So can you tell
2: us a little bit about that? Yeah, so Women to the Front uh, was started, I mean, it was really started, I think it was 2016, you know, there was a group of progressive women who were, you know, they were really disappointed in the results of the election and feeling a little bit helpless and wondering what they could do to make a difference. And so they just got together and they started this group and Women to the Front, uh, Raises money. It's really a fundraising organization for small 501c3s that you know do things for women that do things for underprivileged people. Um, they raise money for a group called uh, Southern Echo that was actually a organization that I that I brought forward. Uh, they teach people how to. Redraw uh, voting maps and redistricting maps, and because a lot of people that are not represented in this country, it's because of the way the voting maps are drawn. Is that the and gerry- I know there's
0: gerrymandering?
2: Gerrymandering, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's it's when the political parties sort of redraw maps to suit their agenda and so that they get elected. But however, that you know discounts all of these people over here that now don't have a voice because of the way the maps were drawn. But so this group teaches people how to. Uh, Redraw the maps and present them to their legislatures to hopefully make change so that they can have a voice in government, because that's what government is supposed to do. Um, But they also um, I'm just going to actually like pull up a list of like a couple like recent organizations so that um, there was the new Florida majority um, spread the Vote was another organization that they raised money for. And then, um, higher heights, I think was the last organization that we raised money for. And it's, uh, it's dedicated to electing progressive black women up and down the ballot. I mean, they've really done a lot for women of color, uh, in, you know, in politics and being able to represent their communities. And, um, but anyway, so yeah, women to the front, they, they do amazing work and it's made up of a bunch of awesome kick-ass girls who just really, I mean, they all have their own lives and different careers, but, you know, they put energy towards raising money for these small groups that really don't get a lot of mm-hmm. attention, but really do make a difference.
0: And what was, that? So, what was and- that Florida group again? I feel like Florida needs a lot of help right now. So I want to hear that one. Again. Yeah. New,
2: yeah. New Florida majority here. Okay. I have a little, a little blurb about them. I can read just in case yeah. I'm not so articulate 100%. because, you know, that the baby was up at 5 30 this morning, so forgive me. <laughs> um, so, um, they work to increase voting and political power of marginalized and excluded constituencies toward an inclusive, equitable, and just Florida. So, from their mouths, that is what they do. Um, and, you know, that, you know, around election time, that is kind of what Women to the Front was focusing on. So, it could, depending on the political climate, depending on what's going on in the world, they try to. Focus on on what needs help, and they try to find organizations that are are doing things that are really making big change. And yeah, I think they've raised I think they've raised about hundred thousand dollars to date. Uh, which is yeah, and that is just like with a small. I mean, we're really just like a small grassroots organization. Um, Sam Sherman is currently the president, and I know that she's actually involved in the entertainment industry as well. She's an actress and a writer, and so she's got her own career going on, but she's also doing really great things and she's keeping the organization going. And, um, yeah, I mean, all these, yeah. Okay. You know what the thing is, is so many people feel like they want to do something, right? Like they want to help and they don't know how. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, basically, I guess what I want to say is that this group was just started by some people that wanted to help, they wanted to do something and they said, I don't know how to do anything. And, and so they started this organization and then, you know, hundred thousand dollars later and about, you know, 10 organizations later, they really have made a difference mm-hmm. because there are all these people around the country who, you know, all of these little organizations and it really just takes a second to find them. Um, I mean, I know when I, when I found Southern Echo, I just searched, you know, voting maps, South, you know you can google all mm-hmm. kinds of things whatever it is that is your passion whatever that day you know whatever you're feeling that day that you know you want to learn about just google it it's so easy to to find information now although i will say please 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 like don't just you know look at the first thing you find like you know do your do yeah. your research because there's so there's a lot of crap out there it's terrible um, stuff yeah so it's terrible stuff that's not true yeah. um, but you know do your research and find an organization and then get behind it because a lot of those organizations, they're not not—they're not for profit, and they're really just trying to make a difference. They're people who are trying to help marginalized people, help their communities, help underprivileged people, um, and help women. Like, you know, I mean, it's Women to the Front. So obviously, Women to the Front has also raised money for, I know they, um, I think it was the last... Um, abortion clinic in Kentucky, I think that they they raised some money for. But um, yeah, they do awesome things. And, and they're a really cool organization. No, so. that's
0: phenomenal. Thank you for sharing about that. And Julie, where can people find Fleshman's in Trouble? Any other projects that you have up that you're working on? Where can people find you? Because this has been and I have to say, like, I'm not just saying this because you're sitting here and I'm talking to you right now. But the (laughs) topics we covered, the ease with which this conversation flowed, this has been one of my favorite conversations. It's just been so natural and honestly hits on all of my favorite topics that I'm very passionate about. So I have a feeling listeners are also going to feel the same way. So where can they go find everything, Julie (laughs) Tolliver?
2: Well, first thing I feel, I feel absolutely the same way. I really enjoyed our conversation. I knew we were going to be like buds when I went to your Instagram page. But, um, so I finally have a public Instagram page. It's Julie, at Julie underscore Tolliver, T-O-L-I-V-A-R. And I only had a private account before because, you know, the world is a crazy place and I post so many pictures of my kids and I've just been, I'm kind of protective about that. Yeah. So if, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not posting any pictures of my adorable babies, <laughs> my, my babies on the public page. But, um, but I, you know, I'll post some stuff about, um, you know, my working out and my running, um, and, and some cool things that I'm doing, some articles that I've had out recently in, um, cliche magazine, uh, in new you. And, um, so, and then Fleischman is in trouble is on Hulu streaming. And so please, please check it out. I'm just so proud of the project. I think the acting is wonderful. The writing is awesome. Um, you'll laugh, you'll cry and you'll take a really deep look at your life, whether you want to or not. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Shane and I are going to start yeah. this
0: weekend. Uh, we were talking about that before yes. I got on with you. We were like, oh, this, we got to get in it. It does seem really good. So no, excited. It's,
2: a, it's a really good one after the kids go to bed. I don't think it's going to put you in a bad mood. It's not going to like, you know. No, it's perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Well, Julie, thank you so much,
0: seriously, for joining me today. I've had such thank a you. nice time. I always say that like I rarely get out because we're so busy. So these interviews, when they go well, it's always a little bit, um, I don't know, cathartic. It feels good. It feels like I've had some social time.
2: So thank you. Well, we have, and we never get to actually have adult conversations anymore. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) that is getting out. I mean, we basically just had like a coffee date with like a new girlfriend. So yes, it is. It is getting out. (laughs) Hell yeah. No, I love it. But thank you so
0: much for joining.
1: Great interview, Alex. But now we're doing the mailbag segment from New Orleans. This is where... listeners of the podcast have submitted questions to you. I don't know any of them, but you know all of them because you've researched them, and now we're going to answer these pertinent questions.
0: It's true, and I'm going to answer them. As, as you guys know, we are sitting overlooking the Mississippi River, and there's a massive ship, Shane. Just throw your head outside that mm. window right now. Look at that thing. Whoa. This is the best view. We can't go back to just recording in our living room after this. No. This is amazing. All right, first question. The beautiful pink tree you have in front of your house What type of it is, it is incredible, and does everyone in the street have the same tree? We're the only people in the street that have that tree, okay? There are lots of flowering trees, our neighbors, a few of them have magnolias, whatever, and those are gorgeous. We're the only people with this specific tree. And I looked it up, because we get asked, Constantly, It only blooms for two weeks or less if there's a windstorm. But in that two weeks, we get asked daily what kind of tree it is. And up until... Our, our house
1: becomes like a Disney World-esque place where people are just taking photos with their kids or by themselves in front of our house.
0: Yeah. And up until today, I had no answer. Like, Shane, what would you tell people?
1: I would simply say, I don't know. And they were always <laughs> disappointed or thought I didn't actually live at the house or that I was just playing an idiot.
0: So it is, we believe... A Kwanzan cherry blossom. We did some research this morning, like comparing the flowers, the bloom time. It looks to be the like the Kwanzan cherry blossom. So this is like its peak is you know l- a late April to early May. It only blooms for a couple weeks. The flowers are super delicate, so if it rains or it gets windy, they are just gone. Then for the rest of the summer, it's the most boring tree you've ever seen in your life. And then it gets pretty again in the fall. Yeah,
1: It is one of those things where you can only enjoy it for such a brief period.
0: It gets so boring. I actually hate it. Next question, Chaney Boy. Does Botox for headaches actually work? So this has always been I I remember because I've suffered from migraines since I was eight years old. They come in clusters and even on days where I don't have a migraine. I just generally live as a headachey person. Um, and so I've had people mention this. And I, I remember meeting a woman when I was working in a bar and she used to get Botox for her migraines. And I looked it up today. It does work. Like, it is 100% a thing that has been shown scientifically to help.
1: But wait, what if you don't want the effects of Botox, but you want the benefit of not having a headache?
0: Well, that's the thing. There's so many things that you can take now for migraines um like pills or whatever and there's so many other natural remedies you can mind you they've never worked for me but there are so many prescriptions you can take
1: but wait what if you want botox Mm -hmm. one question at a time here can you get (laughs) botox without getting the effects of the smoother forehead like can you get botox shot into the back of your head
0: i think for migraines they do it in several locations but one of those locations just so happens to be the uh wrinkle smoothing locations you know what i mean mm. that's
1: uh, that's tough if you don't want that
0: so a lot of people tend to tell their doctors that they have you know debilitating migraines can i get a health insurance to cover the botox to help with this mm. and then insurance covers their botox
1: it's like having a deviated septum and getting, and getting a nose job which by the way i have a terrible deviated septum. What does that mean? It's uh the pathways to my nasal canal. I'm just making things up now. Um <laughs> isn't like a clear path as like there's like a blockage there. Right. So uh you're susceptible more susceptible to sinus infections and just general getting sickness. So maybe i can get a, like a not an extreme nose job mm-hmm. but just a little cleanup.
0: Yeah. You you would want to go through that?
1: Well it seems like you would.
0: I would not want you to go through that. Why not? I like your nose.
1: No, but just like to, yeah, I don't know, straighten it out a little.
0: No, I like it.
1: You like it all bent?
0: Yes, I do. Don't you dare touch that your was nose.
1: That a test. How dare you call my nose bent? <laughs> no, but listen to my voice. I always sound like I need to blow it. <laughs>
0: I don't know why that was Alex so funny. loves that. Just
1: the word blow it by the way is what made Alex go crazy.
0: Um no, Shane, you sound great. You are just sick right now. You've had a very long-term sinus infection. Yeah,
1: and the reason I have it is from having a deviated septum and I need a free nose job.
0: <laughs> don't get a nose job, please. I'll do okay. Next question. Nicholas Cage says he has memories from being inside the womb. Is this even possible? What are your earliest memories? Okay, so- Who knows
1: what's possible?
0: Who knows what's possible? I will tell you, it is not common. And it is quite known that you don't really start having those like long-term memories until a little bit later. However, I looked it up and fetal memory, like short-term memory, does begin at around 30 weeks in utero. So at the 30 week after conception mark, you can like they've done studies where you know they'll play like a really loud kind of scary noise outside of the woman's tummy and the baby will move around and be like what's that but then if they do it continually the baby knows that there's no like danger threat and they stop having that reaction and it just becomes something that's like habitual and normalized so you have memory but it's like that it's not really I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know. But then I looked it up and there's all these message boards of people like, ah, yes, I remember being in the womb. But it's like, is, are they BSing us?
1: Fool a fetus once. Shame on you. <laughs> Fool a fetus twice. Shame on them.
0: But Nicolas Cage also does sound like the type of guy who would say something like, "Oh yes, I remember the warmth of the fetus.
1: Yeah, I remember <laughs> being a fetus. <laughs> oh, that's bad imitation. I remember being – no, I can't do it. It's a tough one. But I remember being maybe two or three Mm -hmm. and just being in my crib and the light coming through the – what are these called? Blinds. I had blinds like these white ones and just feeling very odd and dreamlike and Mm -hmm. having my mom come in and check on me and lift me up. I remember that stuff.
0: I remember getting my back tickled and getting songs sung to.
1: Bullshit.
0: But You remember the your mom coming in In the sunlight Specifically through the blinds Yes Get out I remember being sung to And tickling my back You dingus Okay Why is that so unbelievable? Was that a better Nick Cage? Yeah Thank you So yeah It's kind of maybe possible I don't know I think science is all over the place But to me it occupies Kind of the same sort of place That lucid dreaming occupies Like Let's get in touch with, you know, the innards of your mind to get the fetal memories. It kind of sounds like something that you do for lucid dreaming.
1: What? Do you know you what lucid talk- dreaming? Where you can control your dreams. Yeah. Well, it doesn't seem to attach to what you're saying.
0: Well, yeah, because for both of them, you need to do like work with your mind and like get in a place of... um I don't know, get in touch with your consciousness. Not really.
1: When I'm having a lucid dream, it's just like, okay, wow, I know I'm dreaming. Okay, I can fly it now.
0: Yes, but some people do this thing where they like try actively to lucid dream so that it's like they are even more in control of it. Do you know what I mean? They're hmm. typically like the DMT taking people. What's the
1: next question?
0: <laughs> okay, next question. Thoughts on Gwyneth Paltrow talking about her sex life with Brad and Ben. I wonder if it were the men talking about it, if it wouldn't have been received as well. So did you catch this conversation, Jane? No. All right. So Gwyneth Paltrow is basically raiding her sex life with past boyfriends. So Brad Pitt, who she was briefly engaged to, and then Ben Affleck, who she dated. And she she did this on the Call Her Daddy podcast with Alex Cooper. Mm-hmm. And so she rated them. She said the Brad Pitt sex was the best. And it was like a very much love of your life type thing, even though it was fleeting. And she said, Ben though, technically was way better, but just the emotion behind it with Brad made it better. So, I mean, you know, I think she pumped both guys up significantly. And I was trying to think, I was like, yeah, if, if, It was said in a different way, not even necessarily by a man. But I just think if she spoke about it in a different way where she was like actually like rating or comparing instead of just saying like complimentary things to both of them. Yeah,
1: she was like, Ben is a stinky dinky, but Brad is, (laughs) you know, it would be very humiliating for Ben.
0: That's exactly how I picture Gwyneth Paltrow speaking, by the way.
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs)
0: but I think it's the intent behind it and the relationship you have with those people too. I think all of that is, is nuanced, but yeah, I didn't know that she was engaged to Brad. That blew my mind.
1: Yeah. They went through a phase where they were looking a lot alike. They both dyed their hair, the exact same color, blonde and parted it.
0: I remember. I didn't know they were engaged. Brad's had
1: some weird phases.
0: What's your favorite Brad phase?
1: I think a lot of women would go for his like Jason Momoa phase where he had like longer hair he was in that Legends of the Fall type look on the red carpet he'd have a million dangles coming from every direction dyed blonde but kind of the growth underneath was present that that was probably like fantasy Brad Um,
0: Mr. Mrs. Smith is a hot Brad too oh
1: shaved head Brad Yeah. yeah that's I don't know that's fine like would I do I love that look yeah it looks great on him but Fight club Brad, I think that that is where most men idolize Brad. He has that one pose where he's got all the abs and all that. But (laughs) I tried getting in like around that period, getting in as good shape like that just doesn't look that good on when you're not Brad. You got to be Brad.
0: Yeah, well, because he pulls it off without being like considered, I think, like a muscle head. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I never looked like a muscle head because I was lean. But just it's like bringing in a haircut, a Brad, and then getting the haircut. And you're like, Jesus, I'm hideous.
0: But then it's funny because then Ben Affleck, he's just always kind of been the same. Mm-hmm. Like he's always just been a version of the same guy.
1: Yeah, which he gets more impressive with age because I agree. Now that he's pretty much fifty,
0: slamming the car in people's faces, the car door.
1: No context, to Alex. Here,
0: no. Well,
1: <laughs> Alex will just bring up total non sequiturs. All
0: right, look. Oh, here goes the riverboat now, guys. This is the best view. I wish y'all here were to point. see it, um, but. So there was a recent video came out last week of J-Lo and Ben Affleck remarried, getting into their car, and he goes and opens the door for J-Lo. Chivalrous move. J-Lo.
1: I've never opened the door for a woman in my life.
0: But he does do it with, like, a very bored look on his face. She gets in the car, is in the middle of saying something to him, and he just slams it exhales and looks away He
1: doesn't slam it he closes it with a laissez-faire like here you go your majesty yes and then kind of slaps the door and he's like like he (laughs) has this like what my life become and then he notices he's being filmed and he's like shit i was just caught being laissez-faire and like not lovingly doing this chivalrous thing, but just going through the motions. And he's like, oh, and like his mind is like, fuck, I hate the fact that I was just caught doing that.
0: It's got to be so stressful because you think about all the little moments you have with your partner where you're like, just you get annoyed for a second and it doesn't mean anything, but it's just a second of like half of an eye roll or just being like, "Ugh!" like, you know, whatever. But if you're a famous person and all of your movements are filmed constantly, that has to be so humiliating and so stressful and everything, because everybody has those moments.
1: Would you rather have me like against my will almost, Mm -hmm. like going through the motions, opening the door for you? Yeah and just closing it like, there you go. (laughs) Or would you rather have the door not be open for you?
0: Not open, obviously. Like, I don't want anything to ever be going through the motions. You know what I mean?
1: What are your thoughts on a chair being pulled out for you? Like, I don't mean by a server, because that did happen. We went to a very fancy restaurant called...
0: Commander's Palace. Commander's
1: Palace. Amazing. Very expensive. Uh, And they pulled the chair up for you. And I think you enjoy that. But I mean, a guy on a first date... Pulling no, out a chair. What do you think of that movie? No, I don't like it just, that.
0: It's like it, you know what? It, it comes off as too rehearsed, performative, and maybe if he was like a Southern gentleman, it was, and you could just tell it was a part of them that would be a different mm-hmm. thing. But if it's just a guy from like Hamilton or Toronto, and he's doing that, it comes off as performative. Yeah,
1: he'd need to be from the East Coast at Yeah,
0: best. yeah, or just okay. really rich.
1: What is something that you like that's a little bit old school gentleman-y? like for a Hamilton guy to do? Is old there anything old
0: school gentlemany? I like, I don't know, but like other than pulling chairs out in the car doors. I think if a guy did that, like a, a door and held a door open, or like the car door, but did it in a really genuine. Way, I think I'd think it was endearing.
1: Do you know what my kind of endearing funny move is? What's that?
0: Oh, Jesus, I know.
1: <laughs> well, you can say it then.
0: Shane will do this thing in highly trafficked, like public places where he will go to open the door and I think that, like, I'm gonna walk through, but then he just opens it like five inches and sneaks his little body in and then keeps the door like closed. I don't
1: hold the door closed. What I will do <laughs> yeah. is. It's. It, I won't open the door a normal amount. I'll open it, like you said, five inches, and I'll just squeak through and just keep walking in front of like an older couple, or then they just watch like, what's going on? But then they see us laugh, and they're like, I wish I was young like these whippersnappers. But Shane joking. does this
0: like several times a week or whenever we go into a highly populated space.
1: Yeah, or a fancy place. It's a funny move, and I do recommend it as long as you can have a laugh with it. Um,
0: on. okay, our final question tonight, Shane, Ooh. or this afternoon. No. Now that Shane is forty, oh, no. is he still going to be my best friend? So
1: Is this Mike Gallant asking this? How question? did you know? Because I know a Mike Gallant question a effing mile away.
0: What do you think, Shane? Do you do you take more pride in your friendship with Mike Gallant now than you did when you were a thirty-nine year old?
1: It's so weird being forty, I'll say this. And uh yeah, definitely Mike Gallant's a great guy and probably being 40 I probably feel closer to him because I look at Mike Gallant as the like not that he is 40 yet I think he's turning Mm -hmm. 40 but Mike is like a good buddy to have in your 40s he's like Mm -hmm. solid he's a great family man he's an awesome supporter and that's the type of friend you need in your life when you turn 40 but I am feeling weird about being 40 like so weird I'm solidified like grown man right now it's so weird I've never thought of myself as a midlife crisisy y guy, but I do feel midlife crisisy. y
0: Get out, you know, I- I'm in crisis. I, but I think it's because it's less about the number and more about everybody saying, oh, you're old now, and maybe more about like you growing an ear hair that I had to rip out today, stuff like that. But the age, like what does that change? It, the well, actual number doesn't like my change anything
1: physiology or whatever my body is like now nah, you're 40 you can't move the same sucker and like when i go to a doctor <laughs> there's he's not gonna be like yeah well here's how we take care of that he's just like you're 40 get over it
0: you want a new hip
1: yeah yeah exactly he's not gonna be he's like hey hey welcome to old life like no one's taking me seriously <laughs> anymore Shane's been 40 for a week. Well, none of my hopes and dreams, I feel like, are going to be recognized anymore. It's like, hey, yeah, you tried. You didn't make it. Forget it.
0: We had this conversation the last time, Shane. (laughs) We did. People having their hopes and dreams realized as older people like you now are.
1: Okay, let's go eat a po' boy and talk about this further.
0: Po' boy time. All right, folks. Thank you so much for joining us here in lovely Louisiana. Give us a five-star rating, a comment. We will love you for it. And thank you so much for listening to This Family Family Tree Podcast, Podcast, episode 170.